Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you or you're at home and don't have a Bible, you use your phone for it as well. But I'm going to have the verses on the screen in just a second uh, if you don't have a, a copy for yourself. And I just, I just want to say as we begin today, so like what's the greatest invitation you've ever received? Think about the greatest invitation, maybe to a party or a certain event, or maybe it was something that was unexpected. What's the greatest invitation? Today, we're going to look at something that doesn't feel like an invitation, but I believe that that's what it is. And we're studying and reading these last, few, uh, last week and the next couple weekends as well, the last words of Jesus. What were the last words that Jesus spoke? And he spoke them from the cross. We're calling it in conclusion. These words from the cross, they're words with added weight. They're words that linger because they were his last words. And today in Mark chapter 15, we're going to read what I think may be the saddest words Jesus ever uttered. Mark chapter 15, and I'm going to read, uh, verse, I'm going to read it out loud. We're together, 33 through 37. Again, I'll read it out loud. You follow along. Verse 33, Mark chapter 15 says this, And when the sixth hour, that's noon, by the way, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That's the best Aramaic I can do right there. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come take him down. Verse 37, and Jesus uttered a loud cry, and he breathed his last. Today, I want to focus our attention on those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's Jesus' saddest line, maybe Jesus' saddest line ever. But it begs the question, was Jesus actually separated from God? Is that, did he cease to be like the son of God? And were, was he actually separated from God? Was Jesus really separated? I think the point is less about whether he was, was or wasn't separated. And it's more about what he felt like. And Jesus felt separated from God. And separation, by the way, wasn't just experienced by Jesus the son it was experienced by our Heavenly Father as well, who was being separated, feeling separated from the Son. So there was this separation, but Jesus was saying so much more than what we read in this passage. When we read the English version from our perspective with our context, we don't fully understand what Jesus was saying. There was a sense in that Scholars and theologians debated a lot what was the separation like, but I think it's getting caught up in the wrong point of this phrase and this um, thing that he says. 
because he's saying so much more. To help, help you understand, help us all understand what Jesus was doing, I want to kind of demonstrate it for you. So if I say, or we read here, first lines to songs, you know exactly where I'm going. You know like the whole song. So if I say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Do you know the song I'm talking about? Right? You do. What about the next one? If I say, then sings my soul, my Savior's God to thee. It's the song, How Great Thou Art. You go, oh, yeah, I know that. You say this line, I know the song. What about this one? Jesus loves me, this I know. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know that song. Now, into the zip code that most of you live in. Let's do the, what about this one? When you wish upon a star. You know where I'm going with that? Right? And this last one, I think. All the single ladies, isn't there a song, something about rings or something, right? If you don't know, ask your kids or grandkids what that means. But here's the point. If I say a famous line to a song that everybody knows, you know the whole song, not just the line. The whole song comes into focus for you, everything that the song says. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Jesus was quoting a song that everybody knew. And we have a copy of that song. And I'm going to invite you to turn to that. It's in Psalm 22, the 22nd Psalm. Amazingly, you know, right next to one of the most famous Psalms ever, Psalm 23, the often quoted. Psalm 22, verse 1. Psalm 22, verse 1 says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus was doing, now that psalm, you're not, we're not going to have time to read it all. I'm going to point some passages out. But that song describes everything that was going on in the scene. It describes it. And Jesus was explaining the scene to those crucifying and to those crying. There were people there that were part of the crucifixion, and they're mentioned in Psalm 22. It describes it in vivid detail who they are. It calls them out. And it's also saying something to the people who are crying. There were people in that crowd whose hopes and dreams were being shattered with the death of their Savior. And they saw no hope and no future and no win. And where is this going? And I've wasted everything. Jesus is saying, I'm going to invite you to something. You have no idea what's coming your way. It's an invitation, psalm. This Jesus, by saying this line, the people in the crowd, all the Jews especially, the Romans probably not, but all the Jews there knew exactly what he was talking. When he said the first line of the song, they're going, oh, that's what that song is talking about. Do you know that Psalm 22, this psalm is quoted, it's known by everybody. It was quoted nine times in the New Testament. The New Testament writers quote a line out of Psalm 22. And when Jesus quoted the first line, Everyone knew the entire song. They knew where he was going. So there are five places in Psalm 22 that mirror the gospel writer's description at the crucifixion. So those phrases are in Psalm 22. They're also um, in the gospel narratives. Uh, so let's look at those. Psalm 22.1 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 7 says they wag their heads. The gospel writers use that same description to describe the people mocking Jesus. 
Uh, Psalm uh, 22, 8 says, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. It even talked about that. But let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. And the gospel writers use that. Psalm 22, 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That's predicted in Psalm 22, a thousand years before Jesus was born. And then they're, they've memorized this psalm. They knew it. And all of a sudden, they're doing it. The gospel writers describe that that's what happened at the cross. And then this line, he has done it. It ends with this line, which is Jesus' final words. It is finished. I've done it. But Jesus, in, in quoting this psalm and drawing our attention to this, he's actually explaining, he's inviting, he's, he's saying something that's way bigger than just this line. I think the first thing that Jesus say, is saying is you don't have to experience separation because I have. Jesus experienced what it felt like to be separated. All of us have experienced times like that where you, something's going on in your life, doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but oftentimes it is. And you reach out to God and it feels like he's silent, like he's not even there. And why doesn't he answer my prayers? And why don't I get this resolved the way I need it to? And God, can you please help me? And it's nothing but silence and it feels so separated. Jesus shared the human experience. He understands. He, he felt like he was alone just like we often feel. Do you know they, the Jews would memorize this passage in, in Psalm 22. They would memorize it in Hebrew because the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. They would memorize it in Hebrew. Oftentimes, they would even have access to it written. They would just learn it orally. They would learn it from their parents and, and, and at the synagogue. But they'd learn it in Hebrew. But Jesus actually says this in Aramaic. And the gospel writers make a point to to. to have it in Aramaic. Jesus was always speaking Aramaic. It was the common language of the day, even though they all learned Hebrew because the scriptures were in Hebrew. So he learned it in Hebrew, but he said it in Aramaic. It was, it was as though he was personally appropriating this line. I know what it's like. He's using this heart language. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was saying, this isn't somebody else's song. This is my song. I know what it feels like to feel separated from God. Jesus knows the experience of a God who is distant and not listening or seemingly so. Jesus became one of us. And because he became one of us, we don't have to feel separated from God. We don't have to be separated from God. He knows and understands where we are and how we meet. Jesus is saying, I know the language of suffering. I know the language you speak. And for sure, there's a difference between feel and real. And we may feel separated. There may be times where it feels like God is silent. But Jesus knows our language. He knows the language of suffering and pain. He knows the language of loneliness and isolation, of tragedy and sorrow. Jesus felt it. He experienced it. And because he experienced separation, we don't have to. Because we have a God who can identify with us in every way. This asking God questions 
Sometimes it's the most healthy and beautiful thing that we can do. It's sharing our most intimate thoughts. We can't ask questions that offend God. He understands. Jesus knows what it's like to feel separated and to suffer. Some of you today, you've walked in here or you're watching from the comfort of your own environment and and your world's falling apart or a relationship is shattered or a, a loved one has gone home and you didn't get the answer that you needed and, and, and the relief hasn't come your way. And I remind you, Jesus knows what it's like to be where you are. Jesus suffered like we do. And he felt it. A few years ago, I had the joy to go to Havana, Cuba. Actually, we didn't do all of our ministry there, but we went to Cuba for a mission trip. And one of the young couples that went with us on that mission trip was a couple named Sergio and Whitney Prieto. And I had met them earlier, but that was the first time that I really got connected with them. And um, we just had the great time uh, there in Cuba and ministering together. And there's something great that happens on a mission trip uh, that you just connect with people in a different way when you're serving others together. And I especially I grew fond of Whitney. I knew her parents, the Sallers that are part of our church, Dennis and Vicki Saller. Uh, and they're life group leaders here, and I'd known them for a while, but getting to know Whitney and seeing her passion for Jesus was just incredible, and what a hard worker she was and a servant for Jesus. And, and then about a year ago, um, after a three-year battle with breast cancer, as 36-year-old, I think she was, Whitney went home to be with Jesus and passed away from breast cancer. And watching her uh, over those three years and the suffering. I think I've got a picture of Whitney and her family. That's her. They have twins and then little Isaiah is their oldest and just beautiful family. And Whitney went through this experience of suffering. And I remember one day I was in my car and and I got an email as I was parking. I wasn't driving. And uh, it was her latest post on Caring Bridge. And uh, I think Whitney sums up kind of what Jesus was saying. She experienced the same kind of thing. This is what she wrote. Sometimes I feel like a punching bag. I'm not always in the perfect mind space. There are times I'm thinking to myself, why me, God? What did I do to deserve this? Why can't I catch a break? Is this a joke? Oh, and it gets better. Why is it that this person who does awful things lives the easy life, and I'm over here surrendering to you and getting nowhere? God and I had a lovely conversation one afternoon. I was literally speaking to him out loud, and I felt his presence. I poured my heart out to him, and it was such a freeing moment. In that moment, I allowed myself to express those feelings, the hurt, the pain, the feeling of defeat, the whys, the hows, and the whys again. I let it all out. And God just gave me a peace, a peace that he knows my heart, and he knows my struggles, and my hurt, and my pain. And in that moment, he gave me a peace that he's got this, and I'm just going to trust 
him. And Jesus knows our pain. And we can have peace because he knows. I think Sergio and his boys are here with us today. Is that you right there? And Dennis and Vicky, would you guys help me say thank you to them? And y'all stand up so the people can see whoever you are. There you go. Whitney experienced this separation. She experienced, and she asked God her questions, and she experienced the peace of God as a result. Jesus said, you don't have to feel separation because I have. But that's not all that Jesus was saying. And by the way, even with his last breath, maybe even inaudibly, he was saying, you don't have to be separated because I have been. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be you. He was also saying something else, and that is this. It may seem like the end, but this is only the beginning. It may seem like the end. I know what if you're looking around, it looks like this has ended really badly. It may seem like the end, but this is not the end. This is just the beginning. I think we underestimate how discouraged the followers of Jesus were at this time. They were discouraged beyond our understanding. They had followed Jesus for three years. Uh, His mom and others had been around him longer than that, believing he was the Messiah, and now he was dying. Like, this is over. Three years, this is not the way this was supposed to end. And by this time, even before he is dead, the disciples, the many, are scattered and denying him. No, I didn't know him. Who is that? I didn't know what happened. This is not the way they were expecting. And when he said these words, he is, they know, wait a minute, that song isn't a depressing song. That song doesn't describe a death and an end. That song describes a beginning of something, not the end of something. This song describes a glorious, victorious future. And in his final words, he is saying something. Wait, it doesn't end like this. This isn't the end of something. It's the beginning of something way, way better. I don't know what you're going through today. You may be feeling like, man, this is the end. This relationship has gone, and I don't see that I have a future without it. Or or this job is gone, or, or my bank account is gone, or this opportunity is gone, and I don't see a future without it. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this may seem like the end, but it's only the beginning of something even better that's coming your way. Jesus knows and understands, and Jesus is predicting something that was a very glorious finish to what was happening. Let me, let me point you to the final verses in Psalm 22, to this future that Jesus is talking about. In verse 22, he, and it kind of progresses. In verse 22, it says, I will praise you. That's what the way Jesus, uh, that's the way the psalm, the writer says it. In, in uh, verse 23, it says, Israel will praise you. So you see how it goes? It goes from I to Israel. Verse 27, it says, the ends of the earth will praise you. It broadens even more. It starts with me. It gets to Israel. Now to the ends of the earth. And then look at this last one in verse 31. 
Those yet unborn will praise you. Do you know who Jesus was talking about when he, when he pointed to Psalm 22? Do you, know who, do you know who the writer's talking about, those yet unborn? It's people who are sitting in John Young or watching from wherever you are in 2021, listening to the story of Jesus and saying, wow, he's talking about me? Those yet unborn are gonna do what? We're gonna praise him as well. And Jesus was pointing to a future that was way brighter than what people could have expected. And you can applaud it, it's awesome. He was giving them a glimpse of something they had no idea of what was gonna happen. Like, really, this is the way this works? This movement isn't dead. The movement that Jesus started and proclaimed that day isn't dead or even declining. What was getting ready to start that day is still going strong today. And it's, it's great to be a part of the movement that Jesus launched that day. When he pointed them to this psalm, all of a sudden the people who were weeping and, and the people, there were still a lot of questions because he had not been raised from the dead yet and that had a big part to do with it. But all of a sudden there's this sense of hope like, wait a second, this song doesn't end with the death. There is a line in there about my hands and feet are pierced and, and they're trading my clothes and they're, they're all of these things. But guess what? The, the song doesn't end that way. The song ends with the ends of the people yet unborn are going to praise Jesus because of this. They're going to even do this. And there's a sense of hope that comes with that. And sometimes we get so caught up on the today and, and what feels so bad and, and it doesn't feel like what we used to experience and we're not sure how we're gonna step forward into the future that God has for us. Remember about a year ago when COVID hit, the building was empty. All of you were at home watching. Me and David and about 20 people were here trying to conduct the service and let you watch it online. If you caught me away from the church in my quietest, most insecure moments, I would say, man, I don't know how this is going to end. This does not look good. I mean, how long are people going to hang out on a TV screen, right? And I don't know that they'll ever open us up again. And will it come out of vogue? And are we going to have to, is this the end? No, it's not the end. Are you kidding me? What seemed like that could have been the end to me? Do you know that for decades, People like me have been trying, trying, trying as we preach and teach, have been trying to say, hey, is there a way you can take this message home or maybe to your office or maybe to your car? Let it, let it be there. Let it simmer there in that environment, not just here. And guess what happened? It came to your home, in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom where the gospel needs to be applied. The gospel was going into your offices, into your cars. Some of you don't drive like the gospel goes there, but it does. <laughs> and the gospel was going there. It wasn't the end of something, for goodness sakes. It's the beginning of something way better. There are thousands of people watching us right now online that would never watch us before. And by the way, there are a lot of people here too. This is awesome it wasn't the end of something sometimes. And I know in that day, people thought it was the end. Can I remind you, God has always had a people, and we are part of that today. We are his people, his ambassadors, just the way Chris Bacon explained it earlier. There are people here, some of you, some of you watching, 
You're taking the gospel into your networks and neighborhoods and you're saying to people around you, hey, I don't know, I can't talk to you. I, I can't answer all the questions, but hey, come and see. Come and see what goes on. And maybe, maybe you can experience Jesus like I have. Maybe you can. Almost 50 years ago, somebody wrote it this way. God has always had a people and his people are alive and well. Many a foolish man has made the mistake of thinking that because they have forced Jesus' followers out of sight, that they have stilled their voices and snuffed out their life. But God has always had a people. There have been those who sought to barter on the open market, that power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people, men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when Jesus' message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. It's been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It's been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned. These followers of Jesus have been, according to the whims of the times, elevated as sacred leaders or martyred as heretics. Yet through it all, there continue these unstoppable people of God who cannot be bought, flattered, silenced, or stilled. On through the ages they endure with one single solitary mission to love and follow Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of all humankind, our loving and gentle Savior, the only hope of the world, and the crucified and risen Son of the living God. We are that people. And today, Jesus predicted us on the cross. We're a part of that group, the people yet unborn, sharing Jesus everywhere. Today, some of you may be hurting. And I want to tell you, Jesus understands. He knows. He knows what it feels like to feel separated. And because he did, because he experienced that, we don't have to. And Jesus also, Jesus also knows that there was a bright future coming. And that future is the future that we're living today. Us being the ambassadors for Jesus, sharing Christ wherever we go in winsome ways. What does that look like for you? A couple weeks ago, I got a call on a Wednesday, a Tuesday, whatever, middle of the week, from Rick Fletcher. Rick is a longtime member here at First Baptist Orlando. And Rick called and said, hey, Danny, I've been mentoring a young man named Nate. And uh, I met, he was at Edgewater High School, played football. Now he's down in South Florida playing football in college. And he was home on spring break. And I've been meeting with him for three or four years now. And, and uh, he came home from spring break. And uh, at lunch today, we were at lunch. And he just out of the blue said, hey, Rick, I need to get baptized. I've already... I'm following Jesus, but I've never followed Jesus in baptism. And, and I want to get baptized. Is there any way you can talk to the church and see if there's a way I can get baptized? And Rick said, sure, man, I'll talk to them and, and I'll get back in touch with you. Let me see when they're baptizing next and, and I'll work it out and, and we can baptize. And Nate said, no, Rick, you don't understand. I need to get baptized now. I'm going back to school on Sunday and I'm, I don't want to go back having not been baptized. God told me to get baptized. I want to be baptized. Rick said, well, I mean, it's the middle of the week, Nate. I don't know what to do. And he said, but let me, I know Danny. Let me call Danny and see what can happen. And Rick called me, told me that story. He said, so I don't know, Danny. I know it's the middle of the week. Is there any way you can baptize? I said, are you kidding? We have water. 
We can baptize. If you want it warm, give us a little while. We'll heat it up. But we can baptize. And he, I said, so he was in the morning. I said, we can baptize this afternoon or we can baptize tomorrow afternoon. He said, hey, let me call the family and find out. Call Nate and I'll get back in touch with you. He called back in five minutes. Said, hey, they want to do it tomorrow night. His mom's off work tomorrow afternoon, excuse me. And his mom's off work. And, and can we do it tomorrow? I said, absolutely. I said, hey, Rick, would you be willing to baptize him? It'd be great for you to be a part of that with us. Oh, yeah, I'll, that'd be great. Just tell me what I need to do and teach me how to baptize and I'll do it. That next day, about 40 of our staff, man. Nate got out there and my name is Nate White. Jesus is my Lord and I'm not ashamed. Some of his fellow football players are there and his high school football coach is there. Four brothers, younger than him, he's the oldest. And his mom, Rick Fletcher's in the water with him. He dunks him down. Man, when he came up, it was just like, whew, doesn't get any better than that. What Jesus predicted on the cross is happening right there in our baptism in the courtyard. I got a picture of Rick. Look at these two. I don't know who's happier, right? Rick. 70-something years old. Rick mentored me when I was a young dad. He could easily have said, I've checked that box, I'm done. Now he's mentoring a 21-year-old kid who was precariously housed, didn't know he was going to spend the next three nights when Rick met him. Now his mom works in healthcare and they're stably housed. He's playing football in college. He's following Jesus. It's what Jesus predicted from the cross. We're living it today. Those weren't sad words that Jesus uttered. They were hopeful words. He knows our language. He speaks our language. He knows how we feel. And he's predicting a future that he knows for every one of us. Some of you today, you're in the midst of suffering. Jesus understands. Whatever that is, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, wherever it's hitting you, Jesus understands. And can I tell you, we understand. We're people who understand. You've come to the right place to ask questions. Even this week, what's been happening in Atlanta and the crimes against women and against Asians, it's horrific. We condemn all, all kinds of violence and hate crimes, but we also extend the love of Jesus at the same time, so that everybody can find forgiveness and hope. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. It doesn't matter what your heritage is, who your parents were. It doesn't matter about your sins or your failures. It doesn't matter about your way of life or the language you speak. It doesn't matter about your sexual orientation or your sexual identity. None of that matters. At the foot of the cross where Jesus was speaking, everybody is welcome to come and experience the forgiveness that Jesus offers to all of us. And today he offers it to you, the one who might be seeking the most. 
And all it takes is a simple conversation with God. Hey, I want to give my life to you. Jesus said it often this way. Hey, come follow me. And it takes just turning your life and saying to God, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a part of that. Do whatever you need to do in me so that I can follow you. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But I want to love people the way Jesus loved people. And I want to love God the way Jesus loved God. You just have a conversation with God like that. Or just, if you listen to what I said, you can say to God, hey, me too. What Danny just said, that's the, that's the spirit of my heart. Just say me too. And in that moment, you can experience the forgiveness that God has for all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. We encourage you to do that. And today, maybe, you, maybe you're struggling and you need prayer. Or maybe you want to talk about uh, establishing that relationship with Jesus. Or whatever, maybe you just need to connect it. Maybe you want to be part of a small group like the Sallers teach. Uh, or maybe you want to talk about a mission trip or whatever, however God spoke to you today. If you need to talk to somebody, we have connections in the Welcome Center's A and B lobbies. You can go speak to somebody live if you're here at the John Young campus. If you are at the campus and prefer not to speak to somebody live or if you're watching us online, the best way to connect with us is to text the word CONNECT to 40777. And one of us will be in touch with you to help answer questions, pray with you, care for you, and help you navigate whatever it is that you're going through. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.